Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in the final edition of TV Black Box, Judge Rob is in the house to give his verdict on the network's rating spin for 2022. It's a tale of many farewells as we come to the end of the ratings year. Who's leaving, who's replacing and who's been forgotten? And one member of TV Black Box will not make it out alive. Or they're just leaving. This is the podcast where people in the industry get their news. Welcome to the final episode of TV Black Box. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, I'm Rob McKnight and I'll introduce the panel in just a moment. But it was first on this day 18 years ago that the record was set for the highest earning game show contestant. We have a $1 lead over Ken Jennings right now. And his final response was... FedEx, his wager was... 5601. He winds up in second place with 87.99. In 2004, Ken Jennings lost after 74 consecutive wins on Jeopardy and in total from the show today has taken home 5,223,000 US dollars. Since Alex Trebek's death, Jennings has gone on to become one of the show's regular hosts. All right, let's meet the panel now. He is the host of the $5 quiz. <laughs> Who is David Robinson? <laughs> he is a member of the TV Black Box community. Who is Matthew Simmons? <laughs> he is the viewer's advocate. Who is Monk? This is diabolical. And who is the newest member of our team? Who is... Abby, who is Abby Mickelson? Jesus. How did we make it this He's long so in new. here? How do we get it? He doesn't know. know. Yeah. I'm a bit delirious, Abby. How Abby. are you doing? Abby. That's what I said before. You did I'm twice. very well, thank you. Uh, Abby, you did such a great job last week. We had to invite you back as a full-time member Yay. of the team. Thank Woo. you. For, for yeah. 2022. <laughs> but as one comes, one leaves. Who will be leaving? Who will be sent packing from the island before the night is out? Keep listening to find out. All right, let's get into the news stories. Well, when ratings come to an end, out pops Judge Rob for his verdict on who won. Before we get to the feud between seven and nine, let's look at the race for third. It turns out the ABC will take out bronze for 2022, with 10 relegated to fourth based on survey year results. While 10 fared better in the demos, both the network and primary channel failed to beat the ABC, according to Oztam. It was, in fact, and I can tell you this, 10's worst year since Oztem ratings began over 20 years ago. 
But what about silver and gold? Well, Seven was first to put out a press release where their results took in a national approach. Team Red claimed they came first in both survey and calendar year, had topped the 16-39s demo and was the leader in news, sport, drama and breakfast. But Nine had a different tale to tell. Team Blue stuck to the traditional five-city metro approach. They claimed they were top network and primary channel, winning all key demos and total people across both the calendar and survey year. But that's excluding the Commonwealth Games from the count. Seven then hit back, clarifying that while Nine can rightfully lay claim to winning the demographics in metropolitan markets, i.e. the 25 to 54, Seven was the most watched or the number one network. But Judge Rob has had his verdict. For the full verdict, go to the tvblackbox.com.au website. But in a nutshell, Oztam say you cannot combine any other statistic into the Oztam rating. So, therefore, we're working on a five-cap city metro scenario. We can reveal nine came first in the calendar year, seven came first in the survey year, nine have won the 25 to 54s, 10 have had a shocker beaten by the ABC, and I can actually tell you, 10's network share, when I ran these figures on the 24th of November, was, in the metros, 16.5%. Sorry, just a, a quick thing for you. you. You had about three people on the top podium. You had three people on the second podium. You had different kind of... This is what annoys me about ratings. Who... One. Well, I have to give the caveats because they're all splitting it a different way. And I told you that I gave my verdict based on the five-cap city metro. But the problem is, Robbo, you're right that we now have this scenario where there is an official survey year, but the networks are all saying uh, they do a calendar year. And so they actually are all right. What we can say, as I'm pointing out here, 10 end up with a 16.5% share the ABC have a 16.8% share. That is pretty dire, Mark. Uh, it, it, look, it's not great. And and I, I appreciate that this data has come from Oztam via The Age, via whoever, lots of different places. Um, I, I have some problems with it because just to, to hold all of the networks to account, they have for at least the past three to five years, claimed that they don't care about the survey year anymore. They care about the calendar year because they all program for 48 to 52 weeks a year. So straight away, anybody claiming survey year wins, who cares? Doesn't count. It's not a thing. While I doubt that 10's position will improve in the primetime share, claiming that they came forth now is a tad premature. That said, I'm sure they are absolutely skating towards fourth place. Once we have Mate, the 28 day consolidated. They're not going to get a 10% pickup by the time we hit the 31st of December. That's exactly what I just said. They are unlikely. I'm sure they are skating towards a fourth place once we get the 28 day consolidated figures, which will push us into late January. Yeah. That's when we will know who won the year. Now, as far as all the slicing and dicing and PR Jedi work that all of the networks, or at least all of the commercial networks, have delivered, it's, it makes for great fiction reading uh, because they've all made up their own metrics based on the actual data because that's what PR Jedis are employed to do. Uh, I think I don't want to rehash the conversation about do we include or not include the Com Games, the Olympic Games, that kind of thing. We, we keep having that, and thankfully next year we don't get to talk about it because there isn't one. Um, <laughs> it's Congratulations to everyone for trying their hardest. That's where I'm going to leave it. You sound very pissed off. 
I, I think it's premature. They keep making these claims that we don't care about survey year, and then the survey year ends, and they put out all these and have this massive fucking argument in the media mm. about who won and who didn't win when it's actually two months early. Well, that's why, to be honest, I did that article to try and cut through some of the spin. And as I said in that article, Mog, I think mm. from Nine's point Which of view... Which was a great article, by the way, Rob. Thank you, sir. Um I think it's disingenuous for Nine to say, well, we don't include the national figure because that's not the rules Austin play by, but they'll say the block's done 1.2 million nationally or whatever the figure might be. Oh, and look, both of them are claiming ground where they shouldn't be claiming ground and doing all sorts of things. I... I actually reject Oztam's claim that you can't add other figures in because every day they send us a total TV report, which clearly shows the RegTam figures for both catch-up and the overall national BVOD numbers, which play into the total number of that total TV report. Mm. So saying that you can't include RegTam figures when you're talking about who win and who lost and all of those sorts of things is spurious at best. This is the murkiness, the murkiness of the ratings position that we have to try and live through and work out now if we're going to care about those numbers. Honestly, I'm at the point where I actually don't care who won. Like, somebody won, somebody lost, somebody came second. It is absolutely news that 10 came fourth and quite possibly the lowest since, you know, 2001. Mate, they, they've numbers. come fourth before behind the ABC, so that is not groundbreaking in itself. What but is... that you said their lowest figure since yes. Austin started, that's... Absolutely that's, big news. That's the headline here. So it's their lowest ever national commercial share of 22.1, their lowest ever metro commercial share, same figure. Um, oh, just to jump in, commercial shares aren't a thing because straight away that's seven comparing to nine to ten. The ABC and SBS are, can't be cut out of this figure. They can't be cut out of this picture. So any of the commercial networks, and obviously they're the only ones that do it. I'm not. This is not a go at you, Rob. I understand. This is a go at the networks that put out commercial share figures to try and inflate their position is bullshit. Well, because SBS is a partially commercial network. Why are they not including them in the in the count? Look. They also have advertisers. Very fair, very fair comments. I've never overly subscribed to the commercial share scenario either because we all want it on the playing field. What they're saying is they're, they're just trying to compete with each other as far as a slice yeah. of the advertising revenue pie. Sure. Um, but I do think I, I do think Ten's in a bit of trouble. Uh, they've had some really bad launches in the back part of the year. Yeah. Um, having said that, I'm so excited about Taskmasters for next year. Really excited about that. I am addicted to the UK version now that I've discovered it. Um, and look. Tickets are available for tapings right now, by the way. They're recording in December in Sydney. Ooh. Do you think they'd let me oh, through the door? Cool. Mate, I think we've got Buckley's <laughs> chance of getting anywhere near it. Even if I get a ticket? No, I, I, I don't think they will let me through. You could probably go as a punter if you could get a ticket. <laughs> I think a big red alarm goes off if I go anywhere near something they're doing. Um, <laughs> but, look, look, I take your point, Mark, that we won't know the full tally of results until uh, the end of January, but it does give us a, a fair whack of an indication, an indication. Where, the, where things yeah. are. And, and I agree, Rob. It gives us a great indication, however, people are hanging their hats on these figures as they are gold and we're the number one network. Mate, you... And this is the problem with consolidated figures and catch-up and all the total TV, all of that stuff. If we're going to wait to get the full picture, we're waiting basically until the start of February. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of headlines to get news. between now it's, and then. 
Mm. It's last year's news. All right. Well, it turns out the rumours first reported by TV Black Box were true, and Ali Langdon has officially been announced as Tracy Grimshaw's replacement on A Current Affair. For over two decades... There's still hope. Fire's burning out of control. She's been one of television's most trusted voices. I wish you have to live like that. With a world of experience. Elephant from 60 Minutes. Fearless and razor sharp. The problem you have is that people don't like you. In 2023, A Current Affair welcomes Ali Langdon. A new era begins soon on Nine. Ali will begin the new hosting gig on Monday, January 30, 2023. And the musical chairs continue at nine with Nine's replacement on the Today Show also announced this week as 60 Minutes reporter Sarah Arbo. From major events to magical moments, (laughs) she's seen it all. Now, a brand new day is about to rise. In 2023, the Today Show welcomes Sarah Arbo. Wake up with Carl and Sarah, soon on Nine. Sarah will join the team from January 16th next year. Abby, what do you reckon about Sarah Arbo in the Today Show chair? I love Sarah Arbo. I think she is a delight. I think she's a great journalist. I am super, super excited. Um, I'm also really thrilled that they chose a woman of colour to be in the chair as well. I think that's really important and very impactful and I think brings a new knowledge and therefore credibility to the Today Show. I'm not entirely sure how it will translate into ratings because I think people are naturally resistant to change and we've already seen many times this year when ABC News Breakfast has crept ahead and I do wonder if having a change in hosts is going to be the catalyst to more of that. Um, But I do hope people give Sarah Arbo a chance because I think she's great. Robbo, it is tough changing hosts. This is another hosting lineup change for the Today Show. I'm I'm a little bit worried. I think Sarah Arbo is great, but I haven't seen enough of her really, to be honest, in the in the role. So hopefully, hopefully she's fantastic. I think Ali going to Acker is brilliant. I, I think she'll slot into that chair really, really well. I, I think so too. But uh, on a couple of weeks on this program, I also said that uh, Ali Langdon needs to relax more and bring some of that uh, Today Show sparkle that she was able to show to the ACA desk. So it needs to be light and shade. Uh, and, and and that's what I think she can bring. I think Tracy was really good at that. Tracy could, uh, in lack of another word, you know, flirt with the stars but hold the power to account. Mm. And I think that was really important. And I think Ali Langdon can do that. My, my worry with Sarah Arbo is uh, she is a journalist and she is a reporter uh, and she has built her career on on being that kind of thing. And that doesn't suit morning television anymore. Now, we're not in the Liz Hayes territory and the Steve Liebman territory of the Today Show uh, in the 90s. We're not there anymore. Um, I am concerned that they've chosen a 60 Minutes journalist and a serious reporter uh, to sit in that chair. It... it I, I, I just worry that, that it won't work. I think the uh, the idea of putting a serious journalist in any chair on any morning show now is kind of an old idea. That's an old idea. Yeah, sure, they should have some kind of journalistic chops, but I think that you also need uh, performers there uh, as well. Yes, of course, you need to be able to interview the Prime Minister, 
but at the same time, you need to be able to change gears immediately, even in the same segment, and try the hottest uh, gummy bear with the hottest chili in it uh, straight away, and be mm. relaxed enough and not looked not look stiff and uh, <laughs> that's it's really hot. Really enjoy the moment. That's the problem with television. I keep saying it every week. There, there is no spontaneity. There is uh, very little um, moments that can just happen. And I think those are lessened if the point of it is to put a serious journalist who is fantastic at what she's done into mm. a role that requires a lot of sugar and I think less spice. And I think they've got the thing the other way around. I think she's got a lot of spice <laughs> but less sugar. <laughs> Malk, I think Robert's got a point. Do you remember the very first photo shoot Alison Langdon did with Carl where she had his had her, had her arm up on his shoulder and it just looked very yep. natural and very friendly? I haven't seen that moment with Sarah Arbo and that's probably because they haven't done a photo shoot together. But straight yeah. away you knew Ali was comfortable with him. I'm waiting for that. Always going to play into that role, Rob. Absolutely. Look, I agree uh, largely with a lot of what Rob has said. I've been fortunate to see Sarah um, in a little bit less of a formal situation when she was working for SBS uh, and have some um, reasonably candid conversation with her. I, if we get to see that Sarah on the Today Show, I think it'll be great. Great. Um, the, the difficulty is the Sarah that we have seen on the Today Show couch when she's been filling in has been pretty rigid and pretty guarded. And uh, I, I'm sure that there's, look, we all know there's a, a, a easing in, a learning into fitting into that breakfast television role. And I'm sure that the people at Nine that said Anera, Sarah will be the, the lady, she will rise to that occasion. She will take the advice and, and, and grow and lean into it. Because if she doesn't, she's cooked. Yeah. I was just going um, to she's, say, she's not going to be perfect from day one. And no, I think people, not. yeah. And so no I just, one will be. no. And so I do hope that people give her a little bit of a grace period. As but well. I, I agree with you, Abby, but I think it's a mismatch of casting. I, d- I just think that, um, and also someone in her position needs to make a decision. Uh, if you're going to accept a role like on Today or Sunrise mm. or The Morning Show or Studio 10, uh, or today extra, you've got to decide what are you now. So if you accept yeah. that role, you are no longer the serious, um, you know, really rigid journalist that you were. You're just not that anymore. So and that's, I worry that's the critical thing, Robbo. Yeah, I worry Sorry, that the, just to- the casting is has been mismatched there because I don't know that she's going to give that up so quickly. Here, here's the challenge, right? We have seen Sarah. And Amelia Adams, former US correspondent for Nine, both fill in for Ali inside the last six to eight weeks. Not just for a day, for like nearly a week at least each. And I would have said, and it, look, no, I'm sure Nine are thankful that I'm not the guy in charge. Just <laughs> looking at those two, those comparative situations, I would have put Amelia Adams ahead of Sarah every day. She was far more relaxed. Maybe she knew that she had nothing to lose and wasn't going to get the gig. I don't know. Um, and maybe Sarah felt the pressure of, I really need to do this because they're, they're wanting to give me the, the, the go. Can't speak to it. But look, it, in the end uh, of how this is going to play out, Sarah has the gig. Congratulations to her. I yep. look forward to her growing into that role. Because as you said, mm. quite rightly, Abby, day one, no one's going to get it smash and right. And there will need to be an adjustment period just as, and we get to see this in the gloriousness of breakfast television, just as we need to see that on-screen relationship and rapport with Carl grow and ebb and change. Mm. Cause that guy has years under his belt mm. and now 
a number of co-hosts under his belt that he knows how to break in and to help and support and also how to ostracise. Yeah. All right. The project is going to look very different next year with more hosts departing the struggling show. Tonight, as we record on Wednesday, is Carrie Bickmore's final episode. Here's what she said at the end of the broadcast. And finally, to our viewers... This show is for you and you alone. And I remember once being in hospital um, with Evie and I met a group of girls who were sitting around having dinner. Um, They were patients. They were on one of the wards and one of them pulled me aside and she said a massive thank you with tears in her eyes. And she said to me that um, she spent a lot of time in hospital and every night at 6.30 her mum had to go home and she said it was the saddest part of her day. But then she would sit there feeling lonely and she'd turn on the TV and she'd eat dinner and watch us that we had kept her company and made her feel happier and feel less alone. And I think of that young girl often when I'm having a flat day or missing my kids at night. I'm so glad I could have kept her company. And I hope I've kept many of you company over the years. It's been the greatest job in the world. Thank you. It was a very different farewell to Lisa Wilkinson, who left effective immediately last weekend, mm. and now Peter Hellier has also announced his departure. Um, oh. These things coming threes, and oh. uh, it's time for me to say I will be leaving the project uh, oh, sooner time. Um, oh. Thank you. Um, uh, I, uh, this is, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's been uh, something on my mind for a while. Um, uh, people will... Um, reading the situation however they want to read into it but I feel like I need to create some space for some some projects that I want to work on Pellia will be finishing up in a week's time on December 7th but with three hosts leaving comes the opportunity for a fresh face and hopefully a new coat of paint and none other than Sarah Harris has made this announcement Woo! on Studio Yay, 10 big fan yes guys I've got some news uh, I, yeah, I've got some news. Um, we were supposed to be talking about motorbike prams, but we're not. Um, I can't even look at you, Tristan, I'm sorry. Um, I've, uh, I'm leaving Studio 10. Well, I've got two bits of news, actually. I'm, I'm leaving Studio 10, and um, it's been a, a hard decision to make because I love this show. It's a show that I helped start. But I'm... Not leaving the network completely because um, next year I'm starting with the project team. (laughs) Sarah will join the project panel next year, five nights a week from Sunday through to Thursday. Robbo, obviously we both worked with Sarah. Big news, I think she is a big draw card for the project and will actually challenge the left wokeness of oh. the show. All right, well, I'm not going to respond to that. I think that Sarah Harris is absolutely overdue to get uh, yes. some prime time um, action. I, I think she is fantastic. You know what? She is the one where I kind of um, use the the others as an example for, and that is she she has the sugar. And bloody hell, she has the spice. And that's really, really important, which is missing, I think, from a lot of people who are in a hosting position on Australian television. This is a fantastic move. And can I say, it should have happened years ago. It shouldn't have had to wait for people to leave, for Sarah Harris to be bumped up from the morning to the prime time. I'll tell you that right bloody now. It is a breath of fresh air through that place. There were a lot of cobwebs. 
Cobwebs, <laughs> spiders who had been allowed to weave their webs Shadows. for a long, long time. But this is overdue and she will bring a much needed relatability yes. to the show. Um, she agree, will bring sure. a heart to the show. She will bring a softness to the show. But at the same time, you can put Sarah, you can drop her off into the Prime Minister's office. Done. You've got a yep. great interview. Mm. You've got rapport. Uh, you've got the hard-hitting questions. Brilliant. You then drop her off uh, into you know a, a launch for... Neighbours, the relaunch, yep. fantastic. You know, she's on Ramsey yep. Street. She can bloody do it. That's mm. what they need, uh, and I'm very, very excited about it. Talking about Kerry's farewell, though, um, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm waiting for the director's cut or the DVD commentary to come out, but I did not see Lisa Wilkinson at all. I know that she left effective immediately, but I, I want to tell you guys, there's these new inventions. They're, they're called cameras, uh, and they can actually go mobile, <laughs> and she could have recorded. She could have recorded. She absolutely could have recorded something. You're right. Because they shared the top desk. So when you think about the project, uh, two female hosts, that was a big thing, and I think 10 was great for doing that. They had mm. Carrie, and they had Lisa, obviously Waleed and everyone else. Um, to have Lisa not there in any capacity, and I mean a taped version, mm. is outrageous. And I think it's the Could wrong way. I not agree more. Mm -mm. Robo, you've got... That's the headline. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. She would have been crucified. It would have been... No. She's Yes, she's making it all about her... I thought she not for just doing a message saying, I loved working mm. with you. Mm -mm. No, as long as Lisa doesn't do her normal thing where she goes, Carrie... Congratulations for leaving. However, but there's no winning. But I, if she does that, she's too emotional. If she doesn't, oh, she's standoffish. She's I a bitch. Know. There's drama. No. She's Abby, making it all about herself. Matthew, I don't know. Abby, like, I, I get what you're saying. I think if it was a recorded video message that was a bit like what she did for today's show celebrating 40 years that happened, I don't know, six months ago. I think if it was a recorded exactly. message, peppered in with all the other guests that they had tonight. Fifi Box, Charlie Pickering, everyone. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, there probably would be a few, but I don't think there's a huge outcome. I just think there's no winning. Because if it was recorded, it would be, oh, so she couldn't be bothered to turn up in person like everyone else. There is no, no. winning. Malk, I don't know why it upset you guys when I said Sarah will fight against the wokeness because the project is news de delivered wokely. <laughs> no, that's right? not actually the tagline at all. <laughs> It's just so uh, cringy. Oh, sorry, it's I just so assumed it was. But here's the thing. Be come on, guys. Let's cut to the chase. They skew young. They're chasing an audience that isn't there. It doesn't rate. And it's too far left-leaning. It definitely right? doesn't rate. It's not in the centre. It is Sarah, in all sorts of trouble. Sorry? It definitely doesn't rate. It is in all sorts of trouble. I'm glad we can agree on something there. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that Sarah will bring balance to the force and in editorial meetings, mm. on air, she will fight against that wokeness and actually possibly help them produce a show that's watchable. Mm. And I think, Rob, the other thing too is uh, I don't think that the audience or the Australian public has a perception that Sarah is woke. If it was someone Correct. That, that does have that perception move into that line, then you can spew the old woke thing, whether it's true or not. It's up to interpretation and, and everyone's oh, Sarah's own not woke. But I just mean the show in and of itself. So it, 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 that's up to interpretation perspective for everyone. But I think Sarah doesn't have that reputation, so it's a perfect chance for her to come in and, and change it up and, and do something a bit different. I think she's an excellent choice, if not better, to fill in than Karen. I 
adore Sarah Harris. I think she is brilliant, very, very talented. I don't think she's going to save the ratings of the project. She doesn't bring the ratings to Studio 10. Whenever she is on the project, there is zero spike, there is zero difference when she's hosting as to when she isn't. Come on, Abby. They're not promoting that she's there. Come on. And you can't blame her for Studio 10. She was there when it was getting 120,000. Yeah, but you're saying she's a draw Uh, card. And I, she's in the right situation. She is. I think she's great. This is no criticism of her whatsoever. I just, I'm not sure that people. Sorry, I don't blame Sarah Harris for the fact that Studio Ten rates eleven thousand these days. Neither do I. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just, I don't think that people specifically weren't watching the project because of Carrie. And now that there's someone else, no, they're I, suddenly going to get no, no, an no, no, influx no, 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 of viewers. No. I think Carrie is a talent. I have never had a problem with Carrie. I have a problem with the way that show is designed as a lecture vehicle for people. They skew so far in their opinions to the left. Carrie was, Carrie's a moderate. But what I'm saying is that the, the whole production crew are woke and to the left and that has affected the show and people aren't watching it. They need to look at the editorial direction of the show. What I'm saying is that in those meetings, Sarah will fight back against the wokeness and she will also, on air, fight back against it. What have they done that's woke? I'm like, I'm very confused by this. What? Because any kind of political opinion they seem to have... I actually think Sarah also has. So I'm not sure no, what... No, nah, I'm telling you right now, So she does not. So what are, what are their views that are so woke that Sarah couldn't possibly agree with them? Well, all the time they go on about something just so far extreme left that we can't, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know, give me an example. Okay, I'll give you an example. I can't speak for Sarah, but... Queensland now from next year, you won't have, you can change your birth certificate without actually, to change your sex on your birth certificate without actually changing your sex. Mm-hmm. And I, I I would imagine someone like Sarah will say, hang on, you know, so I can sit here as a full female and say I'm now a male. I think Sarah would have. I reckon she I... might push back against that. And I think the project traditionally will say, isn't it lovely we're all inclusive, where yeah. mainstream Australia are saying, what the fuck? That's cray-cray. Sarah's been pretty progressive on her views on gender and... We're all progressive. But but apparently that's not because apparently that's woke if you're progressive. No. There's progressive and then there's extremism. Okay. What's the difference, Rob? Right? We all believe... Well, because we we all believe in equality. equality. Not at all. A lot of Australia doesn't, in fact. Well, that's not true. Same-sex marriage got... um, across the line because Australia does believe in equality. Mm. See, this is the problem. People on the far left always accuse mainstream Australia of being racist and bigots. Same-sex marriage got through by a huge margin because Australians went, it's fair, it's equitable. What they don't like is when you take things to an extreme. But everyone has a different... This is going in circles anyway. It's not getting anywhere. But everyone has a different view of what extreme is, I guess. So I don't think you can just say that a show is... I can. I'm Judge Rob. (laughs) A show is super extreme and this one host is going to change that. And I, I can't say that Sarah will save the show. What I'm saying is she will bring balance and give the show the best mm. chance of success mm. because she isn't in the inner circle of the project where they're all drinking the same Kool-Aid or if you're a Monsters Who Murder fan, Flavor Aid, you'll get that <gasps> reference. Um, what I'm saying is that she's from outside the tent. 
Right? So she hasn't been beaten down to think like them. Mm. One of us. Wow, one of Rob, us. you're painting a really a really dark picture of a team that you've not been a part of and have no evidence to prove that that's how it is. Well, a couple of things, mate. If we want to speak freely, Please. I have been to those production offices. I've heard stories from the set. I've heard what happens when visitors to that set try to point a different point of view in the production meeting. And I've also heard how they've tried to ambush people on air who have different views mm. to what they've progressed in the meeting. So please don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. When I sprout things on this podcast, it comes from a place of knowledge and not guesswork or bullshit. Mm. Some shows lean left, some shows lean right, some shows are in the centre. We need them all for a balanced society. I think at the end of the day, for me, it's about perception and how the audience perceives it. And I can see a story in six months' time that Sarah is having a chat to Waleed about and it's a get, it, It's not the, the same view. And I can see someone on Twitter writing, because of what Sarah said, the project might be watchable now. I can just I can foresee yeah. that based on who Sarah is and what she Correct. can bring to the show. At the end of the day, it does for me, it doesn't matter what people are or what they think or what the show actually is. It's about the perception. And, and the project has a perception problem that I think Sarah could help. Will it help the ratings? Probably not. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think perception-wise, she might just bring something different that is a little bit more successful than the formula they've got now. Um, firstly, Rob, I apologise. I, I didn't realise that you had the, the inside information. Sincerely. I, I, it was a, All good, a, a question Bane, out we of... have spirited debates. No, no, no. no but, uh, clearly, I, I, but it's, I'm not on, you know, wind up your skirt. I just wanted to be straight with you. That's Thank you. Mm. Um, it does leave, for me, the last piece of this moving puzzle of not even who's going to fill Sarah's role in Studio 10, what's going to happen mm. to Studio 10. Yeah. Because yeah. 10 have been silent. They haven't even made noises about and we're looking for a new host or we're shuffling mm. the deck chairs or doing whatever. Yeah, look, I am told that it's coming back. So the problem is, and, and look, I'm trying to get confirmation. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned a figure of 11,000. I heard that it got down to 11,000 the other week. Mm. I don't have confirmation on that, well, all right? Sure. If, if it did get down there, we're talking diabolical numbers, right? But even at the 25, 23,000 it's been sitting at as a national audience That's not great. is diabolical, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, will they bring Tristan's wife in and try that thing? I wouldn't Danger have thought so. if they do. Well, the problem is that Ten doesn't seem to realise having a guy hosting a show with a thick Irish accent, Australians can't understand him. Like, seriously. This was the Chris Smith problem on the Daily Edition. Can I go back to my, couldn't understand my, my sugar and spice thing? Uh, and I'm not making a joke here, but that's too much sugar. There's no spice there, yeah. so there's no... Mm. But that's what Studio 10's become. Mm, exactly. Like, like at, Studio at 10 is all anything. froth and bubble and, and sugar. Oh, very Studio saccharine, 10, yeah. All, yeah, Studio 10 used to have the sugar. We had plenty of sugar. We played games, we did pancake but in the also face. spice. But you also had a hard edge to it when you needed Say it. spice. And you got informed and you got Say opinions. Spice. Now, you know, <laughs> I, I think this is their chance to... Reinvent the show. Mm. I'm not saying to do the show that I was doing sure, back yeah, in its heyday. Yeah. I'm saying bring someone in who actually has a vision for the mm. show. Ten tried it their way, right? When they sacked me, they, they tried it the way they wanted to do it and it, it hasn't worked. So you know what? Accept that. 
re get bring someone in who says this is what I want to do with the show. You have a brand, maybe for God knows, get rid of the brand, maybe start again because it's not Studio Ten like it used to be, and we all know that as soon as you show a clip package, what is the clips you show? It's from the first five years of the show, mm. right? Every time. So maybe you drop the brand altogether. I don't know. I maybe it can reinvent itself and move on. People will come back to it if it's a good show. They just need some vision. Get someone with a vision and Channel 10, don't be afraid of that person to have a vision. Yeah. That's what I'd implore them. See that person as a benefit, not a liability. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Big time. Monk, final words? Uh, no, I don't have any. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. What the? <laughs> well, none, that, none that's going to round this out in 20 what seconds. What is happening? So. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If the real Mulk is there, please let us know. What have you done can with I, the can real I tell Mulk? You, can I tell you one of the shows that I watched so that I still got two later no. in the episode? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, it's been a massive year of television, and because this is the last TV Black Box podcast, for 2022. Oh, sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd take a look back on the year that was. Matthew, what's been your television highlight? Oh, look, it comes from streaming only because nothing from linear television is groundbreaking. But I think... Jeepers creeper. The- wow. I-, I hope Matt you enjoyed that bit there. Uh, I don't want to uh, break it to you, everyone? Matthew, but people make money every morning producing for <laughs> breakfast programming <laughs> on linear broadcast television. Yeah, I should probably Spoiler alert that. for something to come mm. later. <laughs> um, I think there was a cultural reset when Stranger Things aired or, or was available for streaming on Netflix, particularly with the fourth episode and the, the final scene... Uh, that had the... The Red the, Wedding, the, is that right? The Kate Bush song, uh, Running Up That Hill. Because that song went gangbusters, it was talked about, but also just the acting in that scene by Sadie Sink and a multiple of other actors. To me, that's the TV moment of the year. I, I watched it, rewatched it when I knew we were doing this topic, thinking this is probably where I was going to go, and I still got chills even on a rewatch, let alone when I watched it f- for the first time. Matthew, it is, it because, is it because there was a, a, another... Um, how do I say this? In this day and age, a, 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 a red, red, red-headed uh, person <laughs> like yourself who God. went up in the sky or something. I haven't watched it. It was certainly a moment, Matthew Monk. What was your highlight of 2022? Uh, Rob, thank you. There were lots of moments that I could have pulled, mm-hmm. and and uh, look, I'm hotly anticipating uh, at least one other of them. The one that I selected was from uh, one of the. Uh, the second last or last episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, who is one that has always, <laughs> you know, dived in and dallianced with Australian media Very and stuff that's mold. going on. Very, oh, look, Very woke. Brand me I with like the John W, Oliver Abby. too, thanks, Abby. Oh, you go woke, you go break, Mark. <laughs> I know. Well, that explains why <laughs> you inserted yourself into that. So much money. She didn't mention you at all. Uh, the the thing that I saw, and, and look, we've seen him, you know, suggest that he's going to uh, swap out, you know, the defaced statue in, in, in Melbourne and, and also he picked up Tony Armstrong getting his scarf stolen uh, in Fed Square as a part of the Socceroos you know, at, 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 uh, in the World Cup and, and doing those sorts of things. The, the one that I picked up was a very excellent piece he was doing about the death of the Queen and, and all of those sorts of things. And in cut to Sky News at Night commentator Caleb Bond <laughs> talking about uh, just how out of perspective the rest of Australia had the Queen's death. 
And in Australia, in the wake of the Queen's death, the Women's Aussie Rules Football League held a moment of silence for her. But given that they were, by sheer coincidence, in the midst of a 10-day tribute to Indigenous players, they opted not to do that for the rest of the morning period, prompting this man to freak out. <laughs> what a disgrace. Seriously. I mean, that, that any sporting organisation in this country would think there is any reason not to honour the Queen is a joke. And you can have your arguments about colonialism or whatever, <laughs> but the Queen in this country and for the world was a force for good. What? <laughs> you, you can't just gloss over the entire history of colonialism there. It's like saying, have all the arguments about murder or whatever, but at the end of the day, <laughs> Charles Manson was a family man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced that Caelan Bond is not the love child of Alexander Downer. Uh, they sound the same. <laughs> uh, do you know? We do you remember we had a very young yes. Caelan Bond on? Studio yes, a few 10? times we did. I think it might have been his uh, first TV. Mm, I think yeah, so. it was villain wrong. origin story. And look, Caleb, Caleb is a lovely bloke. I don't agree. I don't agree with Caleb's politics oh, by any stretch. He's a lovely bloke. Uh, I, agree, I just I like thought that him. was a very atypical Sky News at night moment that Caleb has certainly lent into as far as his professional and political career goes. And uh, John was right. Hilarious. All right. Abby, what was your moment? So mine oh, yeah, was... Oh, come on. Oh, I don't know what you're expecting. It was a highlight for a combination of reasons. Um, I think I was there to witness it, which was very exciting, was the biggest one. And it was just... Such a lovely moment. It felt like the warm hug we all needed. It was when Reggie won Big Brother. Oh, yeah, nice. The winner is Reggie. And what a night it was at the after party where we snuck my 16-year-old daughter into the bar to join everyone at the party. Yeah, good time. <laughs> and they all tried to buy us shots with Daddy Mac, had to step in and say, no, no, no. <laughs> True story. It is. She had the best time of her life. She did. Anyway, Robert, what's your moment? A couple of things for me, but I'm going to keep it quick. Uh, one of them was the... One thing, Robbo. You only get one thing. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so one of those things was um, Succession, uh, a brilliant, mm, brilliant, brilliant series that every episode I think is fantastic. It's one of those series where you don't have a dud episode. Uh, the finale was just out of this world. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour. It's uh, on Foxtel and Binge. It is a fantastic show. And I don't yeah. believe loosely based on anyone that's ever lived before. No. I don't think that Murdoch... Uh, sorry, I, I have a... You've got a bad cough there, Yeah, Robert. I've got a very bad cough. It's a cancer in the country. Uh, the other thing is... Um, what, what, no, what I love about that, Robbo, is that... You felt that you needed to say the name Murdoch. No, that was my cough. We didn't all know that it was based on oh, the Murdoch. Whole joke, mate. Move on. That was a cough. <laughs> In any case, the other one, the other one I loved, uh, sticking uh, with uh, that particular family. Can I say thoughts and prayers? Actually, it was a very poignant and powerful mm. moment. Uh, mm. It happened last Saturday, uh, and. Uh, how they got through the broadcast is, uh, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I think this is fantastic. I'm talking, of course, about Peter Credlin 
and Paul Murray when uh, Dan Andrews was returned as Premier. Um, they, they, oh. You could see the tears. It was palpable. Uh, they uh, self-immolated they did as soon as the oh, show ended. They it, self-immolated. They, they sure did, and I hope they did. But jeepers creepers, if you want to watch a Shakespearean tragedy live on Australian television, <laughs> please make sure you look up now the Sky News reaction uh, to the Labor government getting uh, elected back to government. Uh, it was fantastic, and there too. Stockholm of Syndrome claims it's amazing. Wonderful moments. And guys, Australia. this was my moment of the year. Neighbors, everybody needs good neighbors. Just a friendly wave each morning helps to make a better day. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the Neighbours finale. Yes, it's coming back, but it was a moment in time in 2022 when we thought it was all over for good and we all tuned in to bid the folk at Ramsey Street a fond farewell. I thought it was a, it was a big moment for 2022. I think it was too, and it was one of those moments that we have rarely now where Australian television comes together, where I, I'd mm. never watched Neighbours before, really, but it was one of those things where everyone came together to watch it, and it was it was one of those things where we were like, yeah, this is Australia and this is wonderful. Uh, what I find interesting, though, is, <coughs> is that uh, Channel 5 pulled out, okay, and Channel 10 then couldn't afford it. Weirdly, they're both owned by Daddy Paramount, uh, and then <laughs> they come back, but not on Paramount+. Plus. They come back on another streaming service. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, broadcast partners have strange bedfellows. Hey, um, guys, a bit of breaking news happening at the moment. Mm. The challenge Australia has been shifted to 10 Shake. Oh, cheapest. Taken off the main channel. That's rough. So, that- if that's not an admission you're fucked up, oh. I don't know what is. Mm. So, so Mulk, do we think, how much involvement did the local team have in this? How much responsibility did they take? But, but in fairness to them, the last two programs, The Real Love Boat and The Challenge, mm-hmm. have been basically um, ordered by CBS. Can I write you a question for you? The challenge was a challenge for Australian audiences, Mulk. <laughs> mm, Robbo, great, great question. Uh, look, I, I think that the difficulty for 10 is that they certainly had uh, the Real Love Boat Australia thrust upon them uh, and they had to they had to make it. They were just kind of, here's the scenario and you're going to do it so that it helps save us some money. When it comes to the Challenge Australia, this was a, a, a decision to pick up what is an MTV format and turn it into uh, an Australian primetime free-to-air situation. Okay, so that was a local decision. Oh, I don't yes. know, because there's four versions that are coming together. Argentina, UK, US, and Australia. And the winners of all four of those versions then all go into a global thing. Uh-huh. So oh, I God, actually another think... Another one thrust upon them. I, I do think this wow. was thrust upon, and that's why it doesn't work in primetime, because as you wow. say, it's an MTV format. And in America, they are making the challenge brand bigger regardless of this own show. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, getting yeah. bigger anyway. So I, that's mm. the direction CBS is doing in wow. America. So I do well, think that- it was forced upon. I mean, that makes it even worse for 10, quite honestly, that they had to produce this thing so that they could be a part of that bigger thing, whatever, whatever. It was it was, it was, was always going to be on the back foot from day one, and we saw that in the ratings figures. Uh, I mean, even the, the when they moved it to a double episode on Monday night, I, it couldn't even break 80,000 viewers. Mm. 
Um, oh, Five oh, City oh, Metro. Oh, That's jeepers, a creepers. shocking position. Uh, and that was its first Monday double night, double episode night. Wow. Like they held it on their main channel for way longer than they held the Real Love Boat. And the Real Love Boat did triple what the Challenge Australia is doing. Um, still not great, but it did way more. This, this is horrendous. And if this is what the impact of, of Paramount's budget cuts and you will be involved in these productions means for 10 Australia, then they are cooked. But at least the local team have a get-out-of-jail-free card, right, because they're not making these decisions. Uh, all it does is maybe protect them in their jobs, maybe. Um, if, if their US money banks are telling them, that no, you, this should be doing better, you should be doing better with this, um, they're already prescribing what they need to program how are they going to defend that? Yeah. It didn't yeah, do well. Yeah. Well, you did a bad job. Mm. I just think that the money could have been well spent, and, I, and I'm not making a joke here. A fourth but, bachelor? No. Goodness, put that money, that should have been put back into Neighbours. I know Neighbours wasn't a powerhouse, but it was mm. certainly getting more than 80000 Like, goodness mm, gracious me, as um, a prime... As a pri- that that's a that's a different argument because it was on a multi-channel. It'll be interesting when it's on the main channel next year. Coming up, a TV star faces court on some very serious charges after the death of a co-star. We'll find out what everyone's been watching when we head into the binge box, and we'll bid a sad farewell to one of our team members. But do they actually know? It's the final edition of TV Black Box for 2022. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. Matt Wright, star of the Netflix series Wild Croc Territory and National Geographic program Outback Wrangler, has appeared in a Darwin court on multiple charges related to a helicopter crash that killed a fellow cast member. There are a raft of charges against the star, including perverting the course of justice, destroying evidence, fabricating evidence, and interfering with witnesses following that accident. Wright had flown from Sydney and presented himself to Darwin Police after an arrest warrant was issued. His case is scheduled to return to court in January. The ABC has appointed journalist Suzanne Dredge to a new role of Head of Indigenous News, where she will be tasked with building a standalone Indigenous reporting team. About taking on the role, Dredge said, it is a privilege to lead the ABC's Indigenous Affairs coverage at such an important time for truth-telling in our country. She added that in the ABC's 90-year history, there has been no First Nations staff member on the news executive team until now. Congratulations to Suzanne and the entire team there. The Albanese government has this week made several key appointments to the board of Screen Australia. Actor and producer Marta Dusseldorp, actor Sasha Haller and APRA AMCOS executive director Nicholas Picard 
Picard. I was going to go for the Star Trek thing there, but it might be Picard. Uh, have all taken on three-year terms with the government's key funding body for Australia's screen production industry. Arts Minister Tony Burke said all three professionals were leaders in our film and television industry. <laughs> And SBS have also made several key appointments this week. John Godfrey has been named the new Head of Commissioning, where he will oversee both unscripted and scripted content. He moves out of the role of Head of Unscripted, which will be taken up by the previous Head of Documentaries, Joseph Maxwell. SBS has also named Bernadine Lim as the new Senior Commissioning Editor within the Unscripted Commissioning team, having previously worked with the Documentaries team. Congratulations to all three on their appointments. There's a lot of unscripted, scripted and that going on at SBS. I think they need to kind of work out their terminology because that had me confused. But congratulations to everyone there at the Multicultural Broadcaster. Rob, back to you. Such a professional job, Robbo. Thank you very much. (laughs) Just cut out the bad bits. And and you know what? He could have done a pickup, but he chose not to. (laughs) I'm live, baby. I'm live. Now it's time to head into the binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. I'm going to start because I haven't watched a lot this week, but you all know I love 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. Brilliant show. Brilliant show. Yes, we know, Rob. You've got to go to binge box. uh, Not to binge, sorry. Foxtel's binge. And watch the latest episode from UK TV because it is hilarious. I was watching it at 4.30 in the morning and woke the house up because I was laughing so hard. Hold on, hold on. You were woke? What do you mean you were woke? <laughs> I thought you weren't woke. You just you woke, woke the family, ladies and gentlemen. Broke. You woke the family? Yeah. Oh, my God, the family's the now woke. That's of the day I go woke, Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> I allow myself Get five minutes in. every day to go woke. We <laughs> sit and in the ponder morning. and we laugh and we just enjoy a great time together and then Rob gets on with his day. <laughs> that's right. And then the rage begins. <laughs> 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 we laugh because it's true. It's a great show, though, Rob. It's a fantastic show. It's a brilliant it show. Funny. But the latest episode, there is all I'll say is the words Moon River, and when you see it, you will piss yourself hysterically. It is the funniest thing that's ever happened. The whole panel literally have tears in their eyes, and it's all at Jimmy Carr's expense. It's Great. Uh, the other show I just cannot get enough of is Taskmaster. So much so I'm in trouble for my daughter because I can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. That's not the right term. To raise her? Can't be, to parent her? I can't be, <laughs> to I be can't a father? stuffed waiting Love for her, her for us to be able to watch it together. So I'm just going ahead. Oh, no. Watching you, that, episode. Oh, oh that's I've a cardinal sin. And she's, oh, so, oh, she's disowned me. Because yeah. she's like, you're watching it without me now, and I introduced you to it. I'm like, I know, darling, it's, it's tough, it's rough, that's how but it it's the way That's life. That's so busy. Yeah. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> All right. Abby, what have you been watching? Um, so I actually only have one this week. I haven't had a lot of time, and so I needed a very quick just 20-minute show that I could dip in and out of. I could watch five minutes of it here and there. I've seen it a million times. Oh, Big Bang Theory. Absolutely <laughs> not. Never. Never, ever <laughs> would rather Gilmore stick Girls. Is it the spin-off, Sheldon? <laughs> no, no, this it is, is That's So Raven, which is an unusual choice, I know. But so mm-hmm. That's So Raven. Yeah, no, my 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 six year old loved it when she, my ten year old loved it when she was six. <laughs> yeah, all right. So it came out when I was seven, <laughs> and I was obsessed with it. I watched it religiously. It was like 
I would make a point of the TV as mine at the time that the new episode of That's a Raven is on. And I watched it on Disney Channel, of course, then. It's now on Disney+. Plus. So I've just been re-watching episodes here and there that I remember that I loved. And I had an epiphany the other day, and Rob's probably going to disagree with me on this, but... Oh, hello. <laughs> you know how there's a lot of conversation around, like, shows back that were controversial and they're offensive now and it's like, oh, you couldn't make a show like that these days. Yeah. I think the same goes for a show like that, So Raven, a children's show that is so progressive. I was like, I remember, I watched this one episode, which I remember vividly as a child as well. It was the first time I'd ever been introduced to the concept of racism. And I was like seven at the time. And that's so Raven did it in a way that was really child friendly. It wasn't too heavy, but it just kind of opened my eyes to it and I think if you did that now you would be accused of indoctrinating children and children shouldn't learn about race and blah 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 all the rest of the rubbish and I'd like to say you're wrong but when we see the ABC getting criticized for um having a dress-up book Courtney Act reading out a story Mm -hmm. You know, like, maybe it's just if it's on the ABC, it's a problem. But kids' shows are usually very progressive, to be honest. Like, but I, you, seriously, not, not to this extent. Even, even the ones made today are usually very progressive. I don't think to this extent. So I was watching an interview with her today and she was saying she was the first black actress to have the show of the, the, show of the name of the character in the name of the show that had never been done before. It was the entire... Yeah, but you could have said that about the Cosby show back in the 80s. Probably for Disney. I, I know we forget what, for, not talking about his personal life. Yeah, but his character no, wasn't but, named Cosby. That's what we're saying. Yeah, it, like, and she, so her she name was, is Raven. Yeah, her name's Raven. In real life. Okay, I've missed the point. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, my point being, it was a very progressive show for the time. There was no other show on Disney Channel like it. It was about an African-American family who were very, spoke a lot about their culture, their traditions. They, it was just, I'm, I feel very privileged to have grown up with that show is my point. And rewatching it has been a delight. Can I just say on that with kids TV, I was also in a in a serious voice. Uh, was also uh, you know kind of exposed to the issues and dramas uh, of mermaids uh, with H two O, which was a really <laughs> important <laughs> show for me. No, I'm not making a joke of you, Abby. Of course, your show was important. No, it's uh, Matthew, what have you been watching? Uh, it was great for me. I'm a little bit late to the party. I think it's been out for a couple of weeks. Um, but Dead to Me, it's a show on Netflix yes. starring Christina Applegate and. Linda Cardellini, who I love. Mate, just stop after Series 1. No. No. Series 1 is so good, fantastic. And then Series 2 they went, oh, God, Mm -hmm. we've got to make more. We don't know what Mm -hmm. to do. It is shite. I disagree. I quite enjoyed season two. I will agree that season Uh. one was better. Mm. And I haven't finished season three, but I'm finding it on par with season two. So if if season one was a nine out of ten, Season two is probably like a seven and point five, and I give the same for season three. But I really like that it, show. Come on, season two was a stretch. They introduced it for fuck's sake. When you're doing that, you're screwed. Uh, Rob, I do believe you have a strict spoiler policy. <laughs> uh, apologies, that is I will bleep very that. Very true. Thank I will you, bleep Rob. that. Um, but when on. you introduce that element into a show, you know you've jumped the shark. This is the guy who rewatches The Big Bang Theory every day. It's <laughs> just I love it. 
I think it's good. I didn't say I like it. So it's hey, an amazing show. Back in show. twelve seasons, Abby, it never lost a funny bone throughout it that never whole had twelve seasons. Oh, Indeed. I do note that you Brilliant. never put forward an episode of The oh, Big Bang Theory for well a group binge roll. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. No, I'm please don't. So ever. happy to do that. Sorry, Matthew. Only one to watch it. Matthew, please pick one at random, and you will get a laugh and a half, a full cream, Kaylee Cuoco, goodness. It's going to be 30 Rock all over again. <laughs> um, the other one I've been watching is a show that I've been re-watching in anticipation for the fourth season to release beginning-ish of next year, and that's You on Netflix. Mm. I love this show. I've watched season one too many times to count, I think, at this point, but equally love season two and season three. It's, it's I don't I don't know, I just serial killer type shows. I don't know. It's I, fun. Must, must be something for me. It's a great really like podcast it. for you, mate, called Monsters uh, Who Murder. Yeah. Serial killer confessions available in your favourite podcast. Yeah. How much are we charging love that it. podcast for the constant ads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> hey, Matt, I love you too. Uh, let me just say, Malk, I think when I promote this podcast in Monsters Who Murder, mm-hmm. we get the better deal. <laughs> Robo. Yes? What have you been watching? TikTok. <laughs> Is that it? Yep. No. Yeah, I've um, done uh, some 30 rock apps. No, oh, no, I always do 30 rock apps all the time. Um, I've actually started watching uh, Manhunter on Netflix, which is a fantastic show. I uh, got the voice of the gay guy from the Frozen show. Um, he was also in <laughs> Hamilton. He's a main star. Um, and it's about uh, when the behavioural science unit of the FBI uh, in the late 70s and early 80s kind of came to be, and they actually cover quite a lot of really famous serial killer Don't you stories. mean Manhunter? Man, oh, yes. sorry, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I, I did say Manhunter. Uh, I meant to say Mindhunter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, with Jonathan to... Groff. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, right, that's right. not even a joke. I'm sorry. That would have been a funny joke if I'd thought of it. I'm thinking this show sounds familiar. It sounds like, hang on. <laughs> no, no, that's, it's not a Manhunter. Uh, it's uh, Mindhunter. Great that's, show on Netflix. That's your bio. Yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Sorry about that. Uh, yes, uh, Mindhunter. Great show on Netflix. Watch that. All <laughs> Malk, what have you been? Bring us home, Malk. What have you been watching? Oh, look, gladly. I mean, now, because you only did one, do you mind if I take your second? Oh, no. No. She already went on enough about this the mermaids. Is, this is why I'm starting up the binge box separately next year. You people are the worst. Um, I will stick Hang on. to two. What are you talking about? We stepped in when you guys abandoned ship. <laughs> That's because we all had, like, you know, uh, we, we felt that maybe it was a time to come together and where we f- could feel appreciated and that, you know, there'd be an opportunity for people to share what they're watching rather than to be trodden under the heel of <laughs> conservative, you know, uh, jackboots. Anyway. The, um, Are you calling me a conservative? The campus no, gay straight, the, the straightest camp guy. What's the term? No, no, yeah, wow. yeah, that's fantastic. Sheepers. The campus straight guy. The dyslexic gay straight guy the on the show. In the pudding, I don't know the, whether Martha or Martha. The two shows that I would like to talk about to round out the year. And now I have. A, I, I, this is not one of my shows. I did talk about Inside Man and say it's incredible. That is my show of the year. There is no question. Um, the two I want to talk about. Fisk finished up on season two tonight. Um, Australian podcasting time. Never got past at one of season two. You totally missed out because it just got better and better and better and better and better. 
absolutely delightful Australian comedy, and uh, we haven't heard yet if it's been renewed for season three at the ABC upfronts. Uh, but I Surely. certainly look forward to it being made. So uh, they're waiting for the end of the season to announce it. This is the ABC, mm. and uh, was also pleased to learn from the upfronts that you. Utopia will, will be returning for season five. That's going to be oh, something I like to look that forward show. to. Uh, the other, Fisk, delightful, right? Aaron Chen, Kitty Flanagan, Marty Sheargold, Julia Zemiro. Perfect. Perfection. Um, everything, Matthew, and that's what's so funny. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that I actually have spent time binging, and I've got a big pile of shame to get through, um, which I've been trying to get through in my sick leave, but. I found myself, I thought I'll check out this new Tim Burton drama mm, yes. on Netflix called Wednesday. Yes, yes. I don't know about and, this. And uh, I smashed every every episode of the eight in like 36 hours. Mm. Wow. I was it's that absolutely, good, absolutely drawn into it. This is something that you can watch with the whole family. I will note, probably not your young, young ones, because there are some pretty serious horror themes and, you know, murder and that kind of thing. But not not in a graphic sense, if you follow me. It is the tale of Wednesday Adams. So the Adams family that we, you know, remember the sitcom from America in the gosh, wouldn't it was sixties, wasn't 60s, it? Sixties, yeah. Fifties, sixties? Yeah, thereabouts. And it had did have a later iteration. This is a continuation or a you know, a reimagining, but we're seeing it from Wednesday, teenage Wednesday's point of view. Um Jenna Ortega plays Wednesday and she is absolutely delightful in that dark, bleak, um, only dresses in black kind of, you know, view of the world, fitting in with the, uh, the in modern family. times, Mark? It is. Uh, and a, a great cast supporting her, uh, including Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia Adams. Uh, yeah. And, um, oh, I cannot remember his name now. Um, Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester. And they're both the lot. Plus a whole bunch of other great actors, plus a bunch of new young actors playing um, uh, Wednesday's schoolmates. It is, it's a, it's a, almost a detective whodunit with murderous overtones that has a relationship at the centre of it. It is so fun and really enjoyable and it is just next, next, next. I've absolutely loved it. Tim Burton directed, uh, and I know that Tim Burton is not everybody's cup of tea. He's absolutely smashed this. Oh, he's got um, a style that is very unique and very oh, watchable. Mm. Yeah, and, and fits rightly. Like, just this is in Tim Burton's This would be perfect. Yeah, eight episodes. Wednesday on Netflix is so fun. Right. Uh, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. I'm going to tear myself away from Taskmaster to watch it. Um, and that almost brings us to the end of TV Black Box for this year. Spot, like our group. Yeah, our group. We don't have time. Oh. Um, <laughs> One time I get a choice. So promise, guys, when I start going on something, means we've made decisions. Oh. Um, <laughs> we, we, we. they all the voices in his head. <laughs> <laughs> we, guys, we've all made Rob, decisions. if you're in there, <laughs> blink twice. <laughs> um. So, we've come to the end of TV Black Box for the year of 2022, but there's been some losses along the way. Who can... This is our in-memoriam set. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, May we remember, remember Philip Koch. You ever know remember him? Hero. And now we're about to bid farewell to another team member because he's not a... He's just gone and got himself a job in the TV industry. Oh. Boring. Simmons... 
Where are you off to? I'm going to Sunrise. I'm going to be a producer for Woo! Sunrise, guys. Yay! Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Congratulations. And I thought you were wearing the cash cow outfit any day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, look, it was part of the contract. May she I'll rest in peace. Another one we lost in 2022. <laughs> um, oh, congratulations, Matthew. Thank That's you very, very much. Exciting. Thank you very much. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very happy to, to go from the outside in. Um, but um, um, because of that and, and just the commitments that I have in my life, I do have to step away from TV Blackbox and the podcast. Um, it's been a great opportunity. I've enjoyed working with everyone that's on the podcast tonight, the people behind Stop the scenes, the people that have come before. Um, thank you for letting me in and letting me give me give my insight and, and where just what I know from television. Uh, but hopefully one day I can come back again with a little bit more under my under my cap. Yeah, Matthew, it's Matthew. been great having you on the podcast. Congratulations, I think you are a real talent, and I think Sunrise are very, very lucky to get you. I'm glad you're getting your big break in the TV yeah, industry, mate. Sure. You will kick goals, and we have loved having you as part of this podcast, and uh, maybe they'll let you out once in a while to come and defend Seven if we want to rip into the <laughs> Jesus. I'll be the first to put up my hand. That's right. Send oh, a junior uh-huh. producer to do the executive yeah. producer's yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, Matthew. Um, that's where I got my start. I started at Star Sunrise. That was my first TV job. And look at the uh, the highs look and lows now. that are in front of me. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> well done, buddy. Well done. Thank well you. done. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box for 2022. Thanks for joining us for 43 episodes we've done this year. 43 <laughs> episodes. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your loyalty. And even when you take us on and disagree with us, it's what it's all about. We all love the industry. We all love the game. And having a bish bosh is what it's all about, especially Mulk, my sparring partner most of love the you, time. Rob. Love, Love you, you too, mate. Robbo, Abby, our newest member, Abby, and piss off Matt. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest stories. It's where people in the industry get their news. See you Good next night, week. Australia. Bye. What a goodbye. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.